Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, our F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. Alongside me, your After the Checkered Flag co-host, Paul Wallace from Hello. Supercars of London. I'm waving, but some people are listening, so yes. they won't be able to see that wave. You know, because we film these podcasts, I so regularly forget <laughs> that we have a huge audience that only <laughs> listen yeah. to them. And I try my best every now and again to say, oh, for those listeners, but... I, we do often reference things or do things that we forget to mention to our audio-only listeners are happening. So, sorry if you're ever confused. If you're sitting there on Apple Podcasts going, what are they on about? I was what? listening to a podcast yesterday, and it was so uh, video-orientated and... Um, Visual. Yeah, it was like, oh, get that up on the internet. Yeah, yeah, show, yeah show, look show at me that. that. Yeah, wow, that's what, crazy yeah, when you and see it. And they're not describing anything. <laughs> and I was just looking at your screen up there, yeah. which again, there is a camera in front of us to those that are listening. And I could see my legs. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with my legs this morning. <laughs> I have to say, not to, this is rather personal, but very tanned legs. Oh, yes, I do look so, very golden. Someone got some sun or someone's <laughs> yeah. been to the, the sun. The weather's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the weather is amazing. And the weather was amazing. Look at this segue. Oh. At the Miami Grand Prix. It's like Prix. this is scripted. Oh, <laughs> we did well there. Now, I mean, to sort of peel back the fourth wall, we are recording this the morning after mm. the Miami Grand Prix. We always try and record these the morning after the race, but because here in the UK, the race finished at just after 10 p.m., it is now... 8 a.m. Mm. I feel like I feel like we just come out of it. <laughs> I feel like it just happened. And I couldn't tell whether I was asleep during the yeah. race or after it. I don't really know. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one here because fundamentally, I think most F1 fans, most fans that watch it regularly will say that that was a pretty boring race. But, but. Go on. Actually, quite a lot happened mm -hmm. for us to discuss. Mm -hmm. And the weekend as a whole was an event. I mean, there's a lot to talk about of the week, around the weekend. It was just the race for some reason, and we'll get into why, fell a little bit flat. I know exactly why. Go on. Because everyone was riding this incredible high all weekend. Miami! Celebrities! <laughs> oh there was so much noise mm -hmm. on social media, mm -hmm on mainstream media you could go on pretty much any website or newspaper and there'd be an article about something that was happening in miami for the inaugural formula one grand prix out there and so much almost stole the show 
before we even had the race. So the race didn't even have a chance. You're <laughs> so right. And this is why I'm bringing Conspiracy Corner forward this week. So if you don't know, we do the little jingle. Conspiracy Corner. When we like to that was throw like, in a- almost like professional yeah no. i didn't know where you were going with that and i just kind of freestyled and it sounded like we knew what we we're doing should we start a pop group <laughs> <laughs> you play the guitar but yeah in recent weeks we uh we start to sort of lump in these conspiracies every now and again just to stir the pot and my big shout and probably the title of this episode is is miami grand prix the new monaco Ooh. grand prix because for me it had a very similar thing a lot of hype a lot of excitement a lot going on around the weekend and at the track but the actual racing on the Sunday well look was far more exciting than most Monaco Grand Prix but yes didn't live up to that expectation but maybe because the expectations were too high so let's rewind <laughs> um, and kick things off with what were your initial impressions of the track because you, what, how much did you see in the build up to the race did you catch qualifying and practice and stuff I was unable to stream any anything other than the race okay fine however i was able to watch the highlights everything from fp1 fp2 fp3 um up until qualifying on youtube which i don't really feel like gives the best insight as a as a nerd to formula one uh rather than just giving you all the action of who came off the track and who actually was top at the end of the session uh so i tried to um kind of engross myself as much as possible into what was going on in the weekend but it was completely overshadowed by the fake water in the harbor the celebrities and again going back to the whole show and circus that is formula one that i think a lot of people don't realize how they literally pack everything up and move and most formula one teams will have two or three cars moving at any one given time that aren't even at the race weekend because for example a car will have to get from australia out to miami whilst they do some of the races in between and then we're coming into the european race the cars that are in miami and some of the parts won't necessarily come to europe but they'll go somewhere else to be there's a whole logistics behind it all and it felt like quite temporary I think is the way that I would say the whole Miami circuit felt quite temporary in comparison to Monaco. So going back to what you were saying, is Miami the new Monaco? I'd say no, because when everything gets stripped away from Monaco, it is still a spectacle to go. You can walk around the track. You can see the apexes where they race. Once they take away Miami in the track, it becomes a car park. Okay, so yes, yeah? the, my, my my three uh, takeaway po- po- points. Yeah, my mum st- turns on to qualifying. Doesn't look like a street circuit, mm. as in like because in her head, street circuit is Monaco, right? Yeah, so she yeah. looks at it, she goes, "Oh, that's a purpose built track." Yeah. Like, secondly, uh, Vicky tunes and goes, well, "That's not Miami," because mm, yeah. her experience was when we went down to South, South Beach, Beach and, yeah, yeah. you know, and Miami City Centre stuff like that. And then thirdly, I actually having known. You know, it's basically built around a car park, around a stadium outside. I actually quite liked it. I, I thought I was going to watch it and be like, oh, you know, Valencia, yeah, here we yeah. are. Or, I don't know. Or just, I just wasn't prepared to think that actually I thought the track was quite good. I thought yeah. it was a mix between Baku and Jeddah maybe or something. You know, it, yeah, I, yeah. I, I liked elements of mm. it and I actually thought it, it provided interesting viewing in terms of qualifying and, okay, the racing we're going to get on to, but... Wasn't yeah. much margin for error. Wasn't a lot of margin for error. It made some mistakes mm-hmm. earlier on in the race. Actually, we didn't see as many mistakes as the Skyform pundits, I think, were hoping we were going to see. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to come out and say it. I like the track. Yeah. I, I do like the track. And I think the setting, I think they made it work well. I think it looked 
impressive, even with fake water or whatever it might be. Well, I think this is the thing that uh, new circuits that are being built around the current Formula One cars have a benefit of is designing a track as best suited to the current cars as possible in comparison to a hell of a lot of heritage tracks that carry so much history and legacy are built around these cars that were 20 years ago, half the size of the cars that were racing around and now. half the weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and this is the thing is, I felt like we really saw the cars moving yeah. at Miami, yeah. like power sliding out of that final hairpin. Yeah. Obviously George Russell's big twitch, Max Verstappen's big twitch in qualifying. Like I felt like we saw the guys really trying to have to hustle the cars. And a lot of them spoke about it at the end of the race, how physically exhausting the race with the heat and stuff. And I like that. Mm. I like that challenge. So I think actually, bravo the Miami Grand Prix organizers for creating what I thought was an interesting track around a car yeah. park because that's what it was. Um, but yes, as the weekend began and even before the weekend began, the PR machine that was... <laughs> Formula One has arrived in America. We have finally <laughs> conquered the US of A. Like this began and carried on throughout the weekend to such a point that it really frustrated me because as a cynical XPR man, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, the towing of the party line here mm. is infuriating me. Like, oh my God, this is the best Grand Prix ever. Oh my God, this is the best circuit. These are the best fans. Wow, what an incredible track. How have they done this? From like Toto Wolf through to Jill G. Russell through to, I mean, I think Perez was the first Bravo, Sergio Perez. <laughs> the first person to say anything negative. The whole weekend came uh, out on Saturday, I think, after qualifying, saying the quality of the tarmac is a joke. The racing is going to be a disaster because we're not going to be able to race offline. They need to fix this ASAP. Right. And then obviously Carlos Sainz and Ocon had that same accident, mm. that kind of quirky um, Almost chicane. Identical. Almost identical. Mm. And because of the lack of tech pro, they were complaining about the, the infrastructure a little bit to the FIA. So that, that was the first time it took until Saturday evening, really, for anyone to say anything half mm. negative. And then you had, you know, good old Will Buxton. I mean, <laughs> good. Old. I mean, if, he had, if I had that job, maybe I'd do the same. I don't know. But he is literally on Twitter like, this is the best event I've ever been to in my life. Like, oh my God, this is the, literally mind boggling. <laughs> Chill out, Will Buxton. <laughs> it's just a track around. But uh, can you imagine actually being there? Yes, good that's, point. That's the difference, I think, as a TV viewer. Okay, you get the sector times. You get all of the information to you. And we've been lucky enough to go to Formula One races live and it's not quite the same and you end up actually watching the majority of the race on the TV because that's when you get fed all of the information. When you're actually watching it, you see the cars go past... They're nothing for about a minute and a half. <laughs> and then they come past again. Yeah. And the majority of the time, in the same order as they came past last time. However, there's something about Miami that is obviously magical. And having that atmosphere and the amount of people there. And there were so many times. I don't know whether they had mics in the crowd, whether they were playing fake crowd noises. But the crowd felt alive so loud and when Perez made that lunge down against was it signs uh yeah must uh must have been yeah yeah, yeah and he outbraked himself yeah the crowd literally went as if insane yeah Real Madrid scored their second goal in two minutes in the Champions League semi-final don't get that reference but I think um, <laughs> you know I mean god bless America in that yeah. sense you know what I mean because I think you know American sporting fans and maybe Miami specifically or Florida sporting fans they're loud they're yeah. shouty and yeah. they were gun home we saw endless shots of the crowd looking fairly crunk I think they had quite a few Bacardi bruises and people were having a good time and I think you've hit the nail on the head that for us sitting at home in England you know being I mean pe pessimistic and critical Formula 1 fans as we are you could sit there and be like oh it's a boring race and mm. oh, it's a temporary circuit and whatever but 
being there in and around everything that was happening probably felt incredibly exciting. And I think Abu Dhabi is a prime example of that. Yeah. Often a boring race, but a fantastic race to attend because of the location, the weather, the fact the sun goes down, the party atmosphere, the fact you can drive and drive out without really any ever any traffic. So yes, you're right. I think a lot of the hype we were getting was because of that, but there was an internal, I think, PR machine of let's make oh, America a success. And we've 100%. got to talk about this being fantastic, which I think may come back to bite F1 in the bum because I do think a lot of people that would have gone to that race or swatched, switched on for the first time off the back of Netflix and, oh, here we go, Miami, might have been like, oh, like it was oh a is lot this of, what F1 is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was two hours when like, not like a yeah. lot happened. Like, and okay, look, let's get into it because stuff did happen. Mm. Stuff did happen. Uh, we have to remember we had a change for the lead. Max Verstappen once again proven that oh, if the car works, right, he'll right, win yeah, the yeah. race. <laughs> <laughs> but after that safety car, we had a sort of renewed, well, what looked like a renewed Leclerc mm. sort of going for that victory. But I actually think in hindsight might have been Verstappen managing something to give himself to a recharge bit more in the, the battery or something. The yeah, because at some point they said, okay, you can go now. And, and then he was mm. gone. He was out of there for Stappen. So, and Hornet then, I think, something, you know, you managed that little period very well. So I got the sense that actually maybe it was, it was a bit of management from Max. But let's get into the top two then, or I guess the top four. Is this a pattern? Maybe, maybe some of the disappointment was it was a fairly predictable pattern in terms of Leclerc or Ferrari dominating qualifying, looking like it got the advantage, setting up for what would be a great race. And then actually, a few laps in, suddenly realise, well, no, here comes Max Verstappen, quicker straight line pace, that's yeah. it, done yeah. and dusted. And we've seen it now, what, at three out of the five races? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I kind of started watching this race expecting there to be more heat between the top four to the point where I'd said to you, I'd said to Tony, that I can't see all four of the starting four positions actually finishing the race or finishing in that order. I fully expected either Leclerc or Max to come together. I fully expected Leclerc to make a mistake, which he kind of did. Signs he he locked up. Oh, he was yes. like he was like three uh, yeah, tenths okay, sure. off that. Off That's that. me being defensive. What are you on about? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, wait, yeah, he, yeah, he did yeah. make a mistake. Yeah. Um, signs made a couple of mistakes. He got a little bit screwed by his slow pit stop. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt the longer that race went on, he looked more and more like the number two driver for Ferrari, as does Perez look every single weekend. And Max and Leclerc kind of showing what Max and Lewis did last season, almost like just driving off from the rest of the pack. It's amazing to think that the Ferraris are kind of the same car and the Red Bulls are kind of the same car. When you actually put the drivers in, you can see what that extra 10% does. It's. I think the thing is, is, is you're right in that sense, but it's almost like there's a little bit too. It's a little bit too smiley friendly at the front mm -hmm. at the moment. Oh yes, yeah. We yeah, sort yeah. of slightly need that bomb because you've got Max and Charles. And I think if you look back at Jeddah, that felt like oh my god, yeah, here this yeah, is going to yeah. be mega. They're insane. Like the racing's full on. It's crazy. And since then, it's just felt a bit like well, Red Bull clearly have the. The, the top line, sorry, the top speed advantage and Leclerc's a bit almost resigned to it. Like, oh, he's going to come past. Yeah, like, there's not really yeah. much I can do. And it feels like a f the fire has gone out of that battle mm. a little bit. Um, and maybe it's Leclerc bit thinking with a wise head and seeing the championship and going, right, you know, we've got upgrades coming. We know we're going to attack this. And I hope that's the case because I actually think Ferrari need to get on this oh, pretty quickly. ASAP. Like ASAP, they need to not be Ferrari <laughs> and a bit sort of, you know, 
Hey. Mm, e toi, no, we don't need. Let's go for red wine. <laughs> it's a Friday. Yeah, but also, Akar is brilliant. Akar is fantastic. Red Bull, we're lucky. We so they need to, like, really. Apologies if there are any Italians. No, no, they'll be like, oh my God, is Sam half Italian? <laughs> spent so much time with that Ferrari. Yeah, no, I can't believe it. Um, but yeah, because otherwise, this is a downhill battle. This is Because that, I think, I think that's why it felt unexciting because it was almost predictable mm. is this the difference between red bull who have just spent the last or dedicated the last 18 months to winning last year's world championship and being prepared enough to know exactly what they need to do to stay ahead of their competition and ferrari not really being in the mix for a world championship that they're almost reacting to whatever red bull are doing like at the end of this race weekend they're going to go back and react to mm -hmm, red bull mm -hmm. rather than evolve their own car to the point where they can turn up to a race weekend and feel like they're ahead well feel like it, they're already playing catch-up it's a you're sort of right I, th I, th I think it's a very good point i think you know ferrari if they could match or unleash some higher top speed would then theoretically be unbeatable because mm. they are quicker through the corners yeah and that's just where they lose out and it's actually a genius move by red bull and, and a change of ethos because if you think about the vettel era but also a lot of the mercedes era red bull famously had an incredible chassis amazing aero was super quick in the corners but mercedes with their powertrain and their aero package would just romp away on the straights and that was always the kind of like oh well oh red bull if yeah. only they had a good enough power like mercedes <laughs> and it's like they've been clever enough to go well actually hold on a sec if it's straight line speed it's just coffee milk. That, that is winning that is that is letting mercedes be so dominant and, and keep creeping away from us let's do the same thing and They're always going to have a great chassis and aero, thanks to old Adrian Newey, the man that can see air. Um, but they've now really honed in on this straight line speed, which I think is looking like a genius move. But if Ferrari can untap a little bit of more top speed potential, then I think Red Bull are going to be scrabbling a bit because it's probably, I don't know, I'm going to say it's easier to increase your top speed than it is to increase corner speed but maybe I'm talking absolute bull I don't I'm not an aerodynamicist I've never designed yeah. a Formula 1 car so I have no, no idea <laughs> but let's just say that's the case um, but yeah so look uh, sounds I, it just just remap it <laughs> we saw an overtake for the lead and we saw a final five laps where it looked like Leclerc was going to try and well I did lunge a couple of times so that's definitely making the race more exciting than Monaco because we don't really get to see that unless mm. someone has a big problem and even if they do have a problem they can stay in the front as Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo yeah. to be fair have proved um But yeah, I think I think the predictableness of it in terms of max straight line speed, etc., made it a bit boring. And the Sainz Perez battle never really lived up mm. to I think the hype and expectations, especially with that last minute change to uh, under the the virtual safety car I th or the safety car. I thought Perez was going to come storming through, uh, yeah, yeah, and he couldn't. Which yeah. I mean, Bravo Sainz, yeah. but actually was a bit like. Ugh. So again, it's like fell flat. Fell flat. Yeah. That's exactly it. Uh, let's talk about... Like, I'm not going to call him the world's luckiest man. That is, that is really harsh. I actually think yeah. pot potentially one of the best performers of the season so far. Was, Georgie Russell. That was solid. Another was. top five finish. I mean, where did he start? Mr. Consistent. 12th. Uh, I mean... 12th and then dropped back to like 14th. Yeah, 15th at yeah, one stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, he got very lucky with the virtual safety car, but... He called it. He called it. That's yeah. a part of Formula One. You've got to try and use the luck when mm. you can. And, you know, if he had pitted when Mercedes originally asked him, he wouldn't have had that luck. And, but, but, I think he only would have finished behind 
Bottas or mm-hmm. Hamilton. I mean, he would have yeah. Been, yeah, he was he would have there. been seventh, sixth or seventh. Um, so you know, it's a quick one for the for the Hamilton haters to come in and go, "Oh, look, Russell's beating Hamilton again." <laughs> There is truth to that, yeah. Um, but you know, uh, a bit of luck with the with the strategy and the safety car. I think it did highlight uh, that moment where Russell saying, "Guys, let's let's hold tight for a second. and Hamilton being like, "Guys, yeah, you tell me yeah, what I should yeah, do." Yeah, Mercedes are flapping. I think they are. I think they're flapping. I think they were baffled by their. I think they were uncomf- uncomfortable more than flapping at the moment. I think they're uncomfortable. But the question that Lewis got asked was a bit of a ridiculous question. Lewis didn't have the data. He was in a lose-lose situation. He comes into the pits for fresh tyres. He'll lose the position to George and potentially anyone else behind him. He doesn't. George has pitted, so he's on older tyres. The chances are he's not going to be able to keep him behind. He was in a lose-lose situation, and then it was like almost like a final nail in the coffin to Lewis to be like... So what do you want to do, Lewis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a little bit, because you're right. I think at the time the VSC got called or when at least George pitted, mm. um, I think Lewis would have dropped back to, as you're right, maybe seventh or eighth and would have had to have done some overtaking. Um, they, that was it. They just didn't have the the gumption to go... Is that a word? Gumption, gumption, gumption? sorry, gumption. gumption. Okay. To, 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 to make the call. And, and that's what I mean by flapping. I think on Friday genuinely Mercedes looked like they'd, they'd figured something out yeah. and that they were going to be challenging at least for the top three um, in Russell's car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the weekend just completely went away from them and they, and end, end of qualifying, they were all like, well, Lewis, to be fair, from day one said, there's nothing different on the car. Mm. Car was exactly the same. I don't, I don't know why we're quicker, <laughs> but the car's the same. Russell was like, oh, 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 oh. and then on Saturday, they were like, oh yeah, no, this is a disaster. <laughs> and I think on Sunday, they just weren't prepared. Their heads weren't in the right mindset. So when Lewis is like, am I pit? Like, what am I doing? Am I pitting? Yeah. They were like, oh, oh, we hadn't thought about this. We just were like, okay, we're sick, whatever. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. they weren't in that mentality of what should we do right now? And actually the same could be said with Ferrari. Why didn't Ferrari pit under mm. the virtual safety car? At least with Sainz. Yeah. That was a blunder. And it, it worries me about Ferrari's championship challenge. Got to have that killer edge. Uh, for at least the last four seasons, I've always questioned some of Ferrari's pit calls. Mm-hmm. Some of their strategy mm-hmm. is suspect. Um, and again, again, it kind of does it go back to, in the same sense that Mercedes are so uncomfortable calculating what happens if they pit from sixth they don't really know the answer because they've never had to make or they haven't had to make those calculations or those kind of data comparatives in such a long time that they kind of sat there quite stumped that oh my god like the safety cars come out yeah we've got georgian but actually what happens to lewis yeah like, what, what do we what do we do we weren't really paying attention to him because he was just i kind of feel like there's there's like this sort of alien feel to the mercedes pit crew and strategy strategists um but they're kind of like a little bit inexperienced yeah, in this no, situation. I agree, because I think they're probably sitting there staring at the data going, oh, did we have porpoising? We had, we had 1% less porpoising <laughs> on that lap. Write that down. Like, and then going, oh crap, hold on a sec, we're actually in a race. Like, let's figure this yeah. out. And, you know, once again, we've seen that on race pace, they are clearly the mm, third fastest mm, team. Yeah. Fifth and sixth is where at minimum, or I think at best, sorry, yeah. at best, um, Mercedes are finishing if Ferrari and Red Bull finish. Yeah. They are fifth and sixth, and that should be where they're at. And, and George's is bashing that out, and Lewis has had his, his, his dodgy weekends, but that's where they are going to finish. I think what Friday showed us is the potential in that car if they can iron out these issues. Now, my 
concern as a Hamilton fan is I think that would have been a glimmer of hope for Mercedes and they're going to keep chasing that. Look, look guys, yeah. if we just figure this out, we are on that pace. And if you can keep banging in fifth and sixth, you're sort of all right for another four or five races, maybe. But at some point, they've got to just go, yeah. We've scrap, got to, scrap, scrap this. this and let's figure out next year. So it's going to be interesting to see, but yeah, we got a, we got a glimmer of the potential in the Mercedes. Is that the first time having teased it every single race weekend so far that the Mercedes have come with an upgrade? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a fairly major upgrade, yeah. which ugh, realistically didn't actually do that much because in the race, mm. they've ended up exactly where they were or should have been in the previous four races. Yeah. And in qualifying, they're at the back. Mm. So, you know, that Friday, that was that glimmer. And there was a lot of talk of tyre temperatures and track temperatures and track grip, track surface grip and things like that. So... It's too complicated for for us to understand. And clearly, you can't believe for Mercedes to understand themselves. So I'm not going to try to. But yeah, I I don't know how to read it. As a Hamilton fan, it's frustrating and disappointing to see. Um, Do you feel like now going into a bit more of the the usual races that Mercedes feel more comfortable in setting cars up for these nope. kind of tracks? You don't nope. feel like I think they haven't got a clue. Really, I, I don't think they have a clue. Which is mad to think that they spent so long developing this car. Like how bad and off. The, the realistic scale is their simulator for them to not pick this up pre-season. Like, yeah. what have they been doing in the wind tunnel, in, in a simulator for them to kind of turn up to the first race and be like, oh, actually, we've got a terrible car. I think the thing is, as, as we've seen because of that Friday, the potential is there. And I feel like the simulator sees that potential. Yeah. And it's something to do with the specific track grip, the track temperature, the tyres that... The, that have shocked them, that have put them out. And, you know, when we say they've got it wrong, they are the third fastest team on mm. race pace. So they're not last. They're not a William. They haven't gone literally from first to last. Mm. But they have got it wrong in the sense where they are a second a lap off the pace. Mm. So, you know, that is bad. But clearly they thought they were there or thereabouts. Yeah. And I think now they're like, they're, there's probably a miscorrelation. They're like, well, what's going on? Because mm. we can see where we could be, but when we turn up on Saturday, it's, it's, it's not doing, it's what, not there. Yeah. So yeah, they're in trouble. And as I say, it's frustrating as a, as a Hamilton fan to, to watch. And we were chatting with Tony. I was, I was trying to mob up Tony last night, <laughs> having a go at him because he loves to now wield him. So everyone's crap again. <laughs> so I said, just like football. And then he just lights up. Guys so, another time. so easy to wind him up. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I was saying it was a bit like the Vettel era for me when Vettel was dominating at Red Bull and Hamilton was fifth to eighth. It's just when you, when the driver you support has no chance of being, it's just, you know, you're like oh, disheartened. But yeah. I say, you know, Leclerc, I've been a fan of since day one and it's exciting to see him at the front, but no matter what, I'm always there rooting for lights Lewis. with the lights out. I was trying to keep my eyes on what was going on with Lewis. I was like, Oh, come on, come on, yeah. do something. Yeah, like oh, no, he's going back with poke, yeah, but <laughs> to the point where I missed Perez go past, Sainz, yeah, yeah, yeah. or no, Verstappen go past Sainz. You're right, because you're always like, looking, oh, my God, yeah. like, oh, shit, because <laughs> you're looking, you're looking, at yeah. the back, you know, so it's always the way. Uh, now we've got to talk about, I think, apart from Georgie Russell, the performer of the year so far, and actually, I can't. Verstappen Leclerc. Alex Albon. Alex Albon. I mean, do it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, I was going to say doing a better job than George Russell than the Williams, <laughs> but no, doing as good a job and showing what a talent he actually yeah. is and, and how unfortunate he was with that whole Red Bull debacle. Because yeah, I mean, three points finishes now? A 10th, 11th, 10th, 9th? Oh no, two, two points finishes. Yes, because there was that quote that we got from the weekend to say that he dyed his hair red, he got a point. Yeah. Then in the last race at Imola, the red was fading and he just missed out on the points. So he re-dyed his hair and got points again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, amazing drive from, from Alex Albon. And, you know, I mean, in comparison to I actually Latifi, finished. He didn't finish 10th. Um, he finished 10th and then he got 9th because ninth Alonso because got a time yes. penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, considering what, we had six laps of racing at the end mm. of the race. Uh, Latifi finished... Hold on a sec, man, math. 17 seconds behind him. A sh- round of applause for Latifi? No, mate. For finishing? No. For finishing? No, no, just not even. I mean, he's a... He was 8-1 to one to retire first when I was checking before the race. I was thinking, oh... He's a liability, man. He is, full yeah. on. Like, but he, he... When we needed some sort of action, we had to well, wait well, for Gasly and Norris to come together. Come not, on, Latifi, yeah. at least crash into a barrier. <laughs> it's literally that meme was just like poking the stick at something. Do something. Do something. Do come something. on. <laughs> but yeah, Alex Albon is just doing some fantastic driving yeah. um, uh, in that Williams. And it's great to see. I think Williams one of those teams that we all want to do well. Of and course. it was great to see w- when Russell was there that they got s- some, some solid results and Albon has stepped in and can deliver that for them when they've got Latifi trying to bring, th- bring them down every single weekend. <laughs> um, I think it's fantastic for the team. And as I say, and, and adding credibility, adding respect back onto his name. Oh, yeah. Well, in my, in my opinion and in my eyes, there was n- it never went away. I always felt like Albon, it was, it was just, he saw the opportunity at Red Bull. He took it for, for a few races before starting to feel the pressure, which just, it sounds horrendous in that second car at Red Bull. <laughs> I don't think anyone's having fun in there. No. Um, so another standout performance right until the end. <laughs> 
<laughs> Mick Schumacher. Well, yeah. I mean, he was having was, a great weekend. He, he was. just crashes into his dad, or it's not his actual dad, <laughs> yeah, but his yeah, racing dad. Yeah. His F1 dad. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel, Michael Schumacher. A bromance which is kind of, I think, making us all feel a bit creeped out now. It's going like it's a little really bit too weird. far. It's really It's weird. too intense, right? Yeah. And I like that Martin Brundle, after they came together on track, was like, you can't be mates now. <laughs> yeah. You can't, yeah. and like, not to that level, because they are so enamoured with each other mm. or maybe Mick is so enamoured with Seb and no 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 I think it's also the other way around and look I can understand right yes Michael was Seb's hero Seb became incredibly good friends and close with him the horror that has happened to Michael Schumacher happened and Mick that Seb knew as a kid growing mm. up now ended up it's in like, Formula yeah, 1 yeah it's like an uncle yeah there's definitely kind of like a weird you know I think Mick likes Seb's relationship with Michael Seb mm -hmm. likes his relationship with Mick because of Michael. Like, it's a weird thing, but anyway. It is, yeah. They came together. So that's <laughs> going to be an awkward <laughs> playing but ride. Or going back to what- Bicycle ride home with Crofty, Yeah. What Crofty said about, um, you can't be friends in Formula One. Mm. In the post-race room where the podium come together and Max comes in and Signs and Leclerc are there, I literally sat there and said these words. They're too pally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I mean we need the fire. Yeah. That's, exact, that's exactly what I'm waiting for at the front. They're all mates. They're, like they're all Albon, mates. George, Lando, Leclerc. Oh, yeah. Verstappen. They all hang out over the week. Like, even when there's not a race weekend, they're all yeah, hanging out. Yeah. And that means there's ultimate respect on track. Great. But I, I just think that means we're, we, we're just missing a teeny bit of the fire, which obviously we had with Hamilton and Verstappen last mm -hmm. year, which obviously went too far. But. At the moment, I think I say I think I saw a slightly resigned Leclerc in Miami. It was like, oh, he's coming through. Where if you look back at the previous few races, he has fought mm, so yeah. hard for those positions. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I just you know it's going to happen at some point because they're going to be fighting for the championship. But at the moment, you're right. They all go, hey, mate. It's nice to see, but it's not quite competitive mm. enough. Um, and yeah, the Mick Vettel thing because Mick was having a fantastic, I think, a weekend. I saw the crash. Whose fault was it? Mix. mix yeah yeah he just just Cause it, cause, himself, yeah because it was Vettel did turn in but yeah Mick outbraked himself yeah yeah um but Vettel as well another another impressive race I thought weekend, Aston Martin didn't do too bad yeah. like coming better through. than 18th and 19th or or wherever they and they started from that. the pits I didn't, didn't say something with the fuel yeah, yeah I didn't get it like it's very fuel cagey. Was too cold very cagey like it was it was a weird oh, we don't understand but yeah like it's real shame that we're not starting from the grid Oh my God. Yeah, okay. No. Sounds like someone's cheating. <laughs> uh, Vettel with some incredible overtakes, I think, and some incredible yeah. moves during the weekend. So yeah, it was a, it was really frustrating and a shame then to see that contact, especially when Mick had been having a good race weekend. Um, so I hope, I hope it's a sign of things to come from Mick. This was a turnaround in his, in his season, but if he's then going to go and plow into yeah, Vettel. throw it all away. Yeah, it's not, not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> um, and aside from that, we did see some action here and there, but... I struggle to find, you know, real standout performers. You know, I say we saw moves. I think Gasly was doing bits at some stages. And <laughs> Magnussen was doing bits. And but, and the McLarens had a bit of a disaster. They but did. It's really, it's really yo-yoing for McLaren at the really moment. Really yo Which is bizarre McLaren. because last race weekend, when they performed really well, you kind of felt like, oh, like if McLaren can sort it out, then surely like, everyone else can sort it out. And then they kind of go and, go and do this. Seems like, super track specific, I think. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, as I say, it'll be interesting to see, I mean, 
and we've got Spain next. So <laughs> I'm not expecting great things. <laughs> Last fun Spanish Grand Prix was about 1996. So, um, you know, uh, it's, there's always this sort of part of the season. It's, it's early days. You know, we're sort of seeing what happened. We we were joking on on text about last year. I said, you know, we had some boring races last year. You're like, when? Yeah, all I can remember is coming into this studio and being like, oh my god, it just gets better. But that was realistically the second half of the season, yeah. you know. And so we're going to have a few of these races while people figure themselves out. And I think what we are seeing is that the cars are very track specific, track dependent. You know, setup dependent, and we're going to see ebbs and flows a little bit. But fundamentally. My feeling is that Red Bull have the quicker race car at the moment, yeah. and Ferrari probably need to address that. They have the quicker race car, and they also have uh, a more complete driver piloting it. In and terms this of is, Max. Yeah, and this is what I said to you and Tony yesterday when Tony went, oh, surprise, surprise, the fastest car won. <laughs> I then said, if you flipped Max in Le- and put him in Leclerc's car and Leclerc in Max's car, I still think Max would have won that Grand Prix in the Ferrari. It's an interesting one because I don't think you're wrong. I would, of course, as a not massive Verstappen fan, <laughs> say because he would have just driven Leclerc off the track at some point. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like in that Ferrari, he wouldn't have let Leclerc in a Red Bull through. He just would have driven him to the wall. That's what I would say because that's just how I feel about Max. But... I think, of course, Max is, if you look at his last 24 months of results, it's mind-boggling. Obviously, the championship year where he was essentially first or second (laughs) for the entire year. But even before that, you know, the man is on a consistency run that is pretty mind-boggling. And he looks very at one with the car. He looks very comfortable. But we have seen this year, he can still flap. Mm -hmm. We saw saw it, Jerry, that that the red mist can still descend. And so that's why I think we just need a little bit of that fuel. That's why I think if there's a bit of argy-bargy, if it gets a little closer, if it gets a little more intense, I still think we can see some some potential chinks. Leclerc has the ability to prod and bring the red mist on Max because it almost feels self-inflicted at the moment with Max. He almost gets more flustered Mm. and frustrated Mm. around the car and his situation within the race rather than what we saw last year with Lewis knowing when to push his buttons and knowing what to do. Uh, he also knew how to push, push Christian Horner's buttons. Yeah, bloody hell, um, I'm not entirely sure that the red mist comes from another racing driver mm. rather than Max being too harsh on himself in the car. Yeah, interesting. I mean, uh, the, the problem which we always say with Leclerc, who as I, I, I love and I'm happy to support, um, is the, is the fact that you never quite know if he's two seconds away from a crash. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, even when he was chasing Verstappen, I was like, yeah, mm. it's a little bit of a risk. He's going to go into a wall. <laughs> Where with Max, I don't think of that anymore. No. Three years no. ago, I did. Yeah, when yeah. you would watch Max, you'd be like, this is easy. He's in the yeah. wall in a second. But with Max, I'm not waiting for a mistake. And I think even Crofty said, you know, like, now Leclerc's got to hope that Max makes a mistake. I'm like, good luck, happen. Not, not going to happen. happen. The only time I see Max potentially getting it wrong is in that real aggressive wheel-to-wheel combat because I sometimes think that his decisions in those moments aren't always the best. Mm. That's how I feel. Feel free to come at me. You will. Um, (laughs) Whilst with Charles, I think he's a great racer. There seems to be this creeping thing which is annoying me as a Leclerc fan (laughs) that the commentators and pundits keep saying, well, Leclerc's only one from pole. It's like their new favourite thing to say, well, there's only one from pole. 
which okay, fine, that's that's the truth. But the man's only won what four or five races in his career, so mm. he's not had the opportunity yet to really, and definitely not the car to fight through. Um, he's also lost a lot of races from pole. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, okay, have we seen Leclerc in a championship fight in Formula One in a car that can win races? No. Mm. We've seen Verstappen in that position now for, I say, for a while. So I don't know. I don't know how to call it. I just think at the moment, Red Bull have got that edge and, and we haven't seen the fire between those two to make it a bit more dicey, which is what we need or want. And I think Leclerc can deliver. I think Leclerc can turn it up. I think he can turn the aggressive up, the aggressiveness up, create a few more incidents. Um, <laughs> and I think Verstappen will respond equally aggressive. And I think it'll be exciting. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing how the season evolves. And I know that we've got quite a lot of talking points as we go into the European um, part of the season, which we're not going to discuss right now. No, no, no. We've got, we all have the excitement of Spain to talk about <laughs> all of that. Do we part. want to quickly touch upon Martin Brundle's grid walk? Yes. I mean, we have to. We have to. I think what it's now world renowned. It is. I feel like little. I was sound- to Radio One on the way in, and they were talking about it over the football that had happened on the weekend. Literally, I think sound bites get used in news bulletins across the world, and I almost felt like in Miami he was like turning it up to ten oh, on yeah. purpose. Oh yeah, his awkwardness. His to be fair, he's done it for years, and at Monaco he always does the like, "Who are you? Why yeah. are you here? And who are you?" But in Miami, I think it was such an overload of random celebs. And Florida is that. You know, Florida is all the, I'm somebody, but you just don't know who I am. But I mean, so was it the basketball player that he thought was a different basketball player? I think he thought that he was an NFL player. Ah, okay. So he thought someone was a sports person. So he went up, assuming that was, and he was a sports person, but not the sports person (laughs) he thought. (laughs) And he said, oh, sorry, I thought you were someone completely different. If I was that guy, I would say, well, I don't know who you are either. So bye. Like it was semi-rude, but kind of amazing. The Venus and Serena Williams thing was unbelievably awkward and bizarre. Bizarre. They obviously hate him. DJ Khaled, amazing. Yeah, yeah, Bought incredible. Pharrell. Yeah. So who are you supporting? I'm here with Richard Mille. Yeah, because <laughs> you not, know what time it is. <laughs> he's not racing. Yeah. Richard Mille's yeah. not. I'm pretty sure Brundle is a Richard Mille ambassador. Though. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, oh, what do I do? Yeah. Well, I've got to let him keep saying it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was unbelievable. And Beckham and everything. And what I found was amazing was that Martin tweeted late last night saying, you have no idea how much I hate doing the grid walk. Really? Yeah. It must be it must be uncomfortable to levels that we can't imagine because I know the sort of toe-curling feeling of being in a really busy part of the world, a city, even London, and you just open your camera out with a big fluffy mic on the top and you hold it up and you know everyone's looking at you and you're like... Hi guys! Well, worse than that is trying to get sound bites. Yeah, like going up to a random person saying, "Hi, I'd like to ask you a question," with no introduction or interlude. Like he's proper doorstepping. Them. Yeah, there's no PR there. I mean, I think some of them he's told, "Yeah, they're happy to chat on the grid and we'll come find you." Type thing. I think Beckham was definitely. That's why he was trying with Beckham so much because I got the feeling that was like a yes. He'll he'll say a few yeah. words to you, but he's doorstepping most of these big celebs. And what I love about Martin is he doesn't know who they are. Mm. He doesn't really care. Yeah. He just doesn't like the awkwardness. Yeah, and I think there's a part of it which when he says I, I hate the grid walk is that as an ex-driver he probably knows how annoying he is to the drivers mm. um, but bravo because you never get that from him you never get the idea he hates yeah. it and he's just no holds barred like I, mean, I think with Venus <laughs> she like stopped talking halfway through a sentence and, he's, and he just waited like <laughs> yeah, he wasn't like oh, he was just yeah. like are you going to finish the sentence? only reason she why like, oh she, you're still here because yeah, the microphone bumped her on the arm and she was like oh, what oh, oh you're still here yeah. like go away bye <laughs> like, <laughs> 
absolute genius and yeah genius broadcaster and you know we uh, are going to run a risk of one day losing that guy mm. he's going to want to step away and, and I don't know who could ever fill his boots because DC as great as he is you know and all the other sort of pundits coming through no one's got that no one has that ability that Martin has on the so I, re- I reckon I reckon if you told Jensen to fill Martin's boots in five years time I reckon I reckon Jensen is I don't want to use the word because this is going to make me cringe cheeky enough uh, I disagree really I because uh, as a pundit uh, and as an, an analyst I kind of don't really listen to him but I actually quite like some of his little comments that he makes at the race weekends and I actually think throw him in if sink or swim for sure but if he swims his, See, I, I, I think his outfits I think I think he could I think, I, I think he's a job. legend he's a legend oh, of course, I, I want to be course. best mates with the guy and what a, I mean he's world champion etc etc I just think that's a unique I think Jensen and I'm making a huge assumption here and Jensen <laughs> if you're listening I'm sorry if I'm making the wrong <laughs> assumption doubt he's listening <laughs> maybe cares a little bit too much about him as in he's likely to be known by some of those celebs yes and or want to know them. And, and he's on a sort of level playing field. He's Jensen Button. He's mm. a Formula One world champion. He's a celebrity in his own right. Well, Martin, the best thing about Martin, <laughs> Martin Battle Sky for one. Hi, how are you doing? Like always introduce himself, which I think is so polite, but <laughs> couldn't care less. He doesn't care who they are. They don't know who he okay. is. It's like, and Coulthard's a bit like that. He's got the cheekiness and you're right. I actually think the next best person would be Nico Rosberg. Because <laughs> the way yeah, he, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, he's yeah. brutal sometimes. Verbal even with diarrhea. Like, oh my God. I'm like, Nico, aren't you going to get sued? So yeah, look, it's a hard job to fill. Um, and it, it's brilliant to see Martin in those situations when he's doing it. Sad to hear that he hates it, but amazing TV. Mm. And just what you want in a spectacle like Miami when we're all like, oh, this is a bit a bit intense to have someone a bit British to come in and be like, this is all ridiculous. (laughs) Who are you? I'm a social media sensation. (laughs) Piss off, mate. I mean, and I love it. And modest too. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, quick grips like that were just essential. So anyway, as uh, we now, now regularly do, uh, I've asked uh, a whole lot of you for your sort of thoughts or talking points about the Miami Grand Prix. So let's have a quick uh, uh, flip through this before uh, before we finish up. Uh, so Sim Simon, the tire strategy at Mercedes. I feel like we kind of talked about that. Uh, DV24, Mick nearly got points. Then he crashed. Uh, <laughs> Coop 8686, the overhype. Yep. Uh, MVRCO.H, pure dominance from Max. And I, I would agree. I think it was a he, very controlled race. He always looked, even lining up on the grid, that he was going to win that Grand Prix. If the car survived, we haven't even touched upon the reliability because they did have reliability problems. And I did think throughout the race, I was kind of waiting for it. I was waiting for Mm -hmm. a retirement from Red Bull. Um, We didn't get it. Uh, But because of that, Max was almost visualizing the checkered flag and, and, I, def- I definitely knew if he was able to finish that race, he'd, he'd win it. Yeah. A lot of people agreeing with basically most of our talking points. Harry Wills, 97, the Red Bull straight line speed is going to be huge for the title. Uh, HB Musings, where is Ferrari's race pace? I think it was there. I just, you know, he, he, what, he never dropped more than seven seconds behind Verstappen in the race. Leclerc, yeah. You yeah. know, and, and science and prayers were always within a few seconds of each other. So, I don't think it was disastrous, but uh, not enough to be able to, you know, challenge Max, really. Um, Dorsey, 205 and this is something that maybe we're going to touch on in another episode danny rick Mm. is his personality and vibe enough to keep him on the grid even if not performing well and we will dive into this because you know 
coming out of an American Grand Prix, Colton Herta, um, Pato Award, both big uh, indie stars at the moment and both on McLaren's radar for future Formula One drives. I think putting pressure on Danny Rick and let's face it, the McLaren clearly yo-yoing as you said, but he's still not there or thereabouts with Lando's pace, which is what he needs to be doing. Long season ahead, got a while to go, but I think is we said it before, I think the star is fading quickly and he's probably... I saw, I saw something um, in an article this morning about the, the twilight zone in someone's career and I feel like mm. Danny Rick is well, kind, yeah. of, kind of coming into that. I don't think he's got many moves from here, does he? If, if no. you were Danny Rick thinking, oh, this hasn't worked out, I don't think you can really go knocking on a Mercedes, a Red Bull or a Ferrari door at the moment. I, I don't think they're no. going to go, yeah, great. Yeah, we'll uh, give you a... Uh, yeah, I think you're at best, you've got a maybe a Bottas, a, a bit of a luck where you could move one more time and get a bit of a fortune. But I think his moment to be winning more races and championships may be behind mm. him. Uh, sorry, or a championship. Um, Spencer Mintram, something we're going to disagree with you, great, great close racing. We saw a bit of it, but not as much as we, well... Com- no, we comparative, comparative to last season. Yeah, fair, yes, fair. Yeah, fair, yeah. The, yeah. The cars again show that you you can follow and you can stay close behind. Um, I think that there are actually other aspects of the race that create uh, difficulties that the teams are still trying to figure out. One of them being tire temperature and pit stops. Like mm-hmm. they're becoming a much bigger variable in time that a lot of teams and strategists can't figure out. Ah, oh, but the pit entry or the, the average pit time is not what we're used to knowing. Um, and then how long is the, is it going to take for the tires to come in? So whilst it's close race or closer racing, some of the other variables and aspects of a race might have kind of stretched and made it a little bit more difficult to, to implement strategies and undercut overcut and those kind of things. So I think you're right. Um, most other comments are, th- are things that we have pretty much spoken about, except We'll, we'll finish on this. Mm. Jewelry gate, <laughs> which is the weirdest just... story or narrative in Formula One I think I can ever remember taking place. Mm. And Vettel's come out and said it. Not many other drivers have. It feels like a completely personal attack on Lewis Hamilton mm. because outwardly, I can't think of many other drivers that wear jewelry, have piercings. There's jokes about Verstappen having a nipple piercing. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's really only Hamilton that's very, very in your face about it. And for them to suddenly really hammer home this new FIA director to really make, this is his, the first thing I'm going to do. Ah, oh, hello, I'm here. I'm your new director. Yeah. Take the, that nose piercing yeah, out. The most important thing to yeah. me, day one, forget tech pro barriers at people who are having 40 G impacts. Let's get rid of jewelry on drivers. <laughs> and I think it's ridiculous. And I think it, whilst you're trying to make Formula One more of a spectacle, more of a show, and okay, fine, this is the FIA, not Liberty Media, who, who are responsible for making more of a show, to then try and strip away personality, character, individualism from the drivers, just a disaster. And they all say it's for safety, but it's always been for safety. Mm. I mean, you know, I, anyway, I don't get it. How do you feel about it? I, I could probably get, like, if Lewis wanted to wear, like, a one kilogram chain, whilst racing which you would never do because obviously you need to keep the weight down as much as possible but i'm trying to think how a nose ring or not even a nose ring is it it's a stud earrings and stud. his stud is the main one that he yeah says he can't how take out. how 
does that create a safety hazard? And I don't know the the simulations that they create. And I'm trying to think of other sports where it's okay to wear jewelry or, or why they are deciding or making a big deal about oh yeah yeah like let's get rid is it are the, does he see lewis as like this old formula one and he's trying to create this new era of formula one and almost like trying to oust this guy that is just dominating because no matter it's it's very similar to Tiger was coming back in the Masters. Like he dominated the coverage, as Lewis still dominates all of the headlines. Everything, every single race weekend is about Lewis Hamilton. Um, and I wonder if there's something in this sort of like very, very slow, soft approach to actually trying to mm. trying to get him out the door, which I just mean, seems crazy. It yeah, it's a it's a weird move. It's mm. a weird thing to make a big deal of. I think Lewis is like, cool, just ban me. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. I think he's literally uh, at like, this um, point, he doesn't care. He doesn't give a crap. No. Um, and it seems so sort of crazy and ridiculous. So it's gonna interesting to see what happens because it's it's a old school Senna versus Balestra, like who's gonna blink first type thing. Um, but it seems mad. It seems it's a crazy talking point. But you've you've done it. That's a great point that you've made. There is that despite everything that's going on every single weekend and every single news bulletin post weekend is what happened to Lewis Hamilton mm. and Formula One have to think about that and FI have to realise that and you know as fans well as a fan I'm kind of ready for him to to move mm. on like you know because we need that new era to breathe without him yeah a bit like when Schumacher he just retired he's gone yeah see you later um, then he came back then he came back <laughs> um, so you know it, it, yeah they, they can't mess around with that too much but you know, the safety car thing is becoming a joke. Every single time there's a safety car now, it's Hamilton that seems to lose out. Uh, but then also if the FAI are going to start going after him for wearing jewelry, it's, yeah, the guy's just going to go, I'm done. Like, yeah. I have no desire to be here, which I, it looks like he has no desire, but then he comes back every Friday going, oh yeah, I'm pumped up more than ever. So we'll see. But I don't think anyone's going to be that pumped up for Spain, but we're going to try and, why well, are we going to talk about it? I think we're, aren't we going to miss a couple of episodes coming up? Because we've got a lot of travel. At least I've got um, a lot of travel. May, yeah. May is rather busy. We are, we are going to potentially not do a Spanish Grand Prix episode. Uh, which date is the Spanish Grand Prix? Sunday the 22nd. Right, okay. And then potentially we'll be back for a Monaco Grand Prix episode. It'd be quite Just, handy if it was a double header, wouldn't it? Yeah, because yeah. I can imagine those two Grand Prix are going to be really difficult days. It's not a lot we'll to talk about. Squeeze two yeah. podcasts out. You never know. You never know. Uh, but it depends if we are in Monaco. At the moment, I am not planning to be, but you think you have a chance of being. You're not it, sure. It's going to be a very last minute invite. Same. That's my thing too. So anyway, we should be back with you at some point post Spain and Monaco. That's our plan. Unfortunately, we've both got big travel plans going on at the moment, uh, which is exciting. It means lots of cool main channel content. But for now, let us know your thoughts, um, your reactions to Miami, whether you're excited to return there next year, whether you worry it's always going to be one of those weekends that gets a lot of hype and then boring races. Maybe you didn't think the race was that boring. I saw a lot of people say, you know, yeah, we, we I, had a lot I mean, of action. I enjoyed it. And I think you just got to look at it as the weekend. I think you've got to look at it as a festival, a motorsport festival. And I, just be I like, enjoy hey, any race. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy yeah, yeah. any race. But well, you know, apart, just apart from Imola. 
Uh, yeah, apart from me. No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to keep listening to After Chicken Flag, make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel. Turn on notifications so you don't miss that next episode from Spain or Monaco or wherever it might be. Uh, if you want to follow Paul, he's at WallacePJW on most social media platforms. And I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. Tony and I will be back with you later in the week for our standard usual Behind the Glass episode. And we'll catch up with you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.